Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Jared Albritton, and welcome to the Big Tech Energy Podcast. So I've been in the tech space for 17 plus years, and every day I would look around the room and say, I wish there were more black people in this room. I wish more black people knew about tech, and I wish more black people saw incredible success in tech the way myself and my colleagues have been able to have. So over the last couple of years, we've been doing spaces, and we've helped over 200 people break into tech. And now with this podcast, I'm going to be highlighting some of my favorite startup founders, high-paid tech employees employees, recruiters, career coaches, and hiring managers on what steps should you take to be successful, but what is the mindset that has made them incredibly impactful. So take your notes, stay tuned, and soak up this big tech energy. Today, I'm really excited about my guest, Ruben Harris, who's in the building. All right, CEO of Career Karma, one of the few people to raise not only a million dollars, he's raised over $52 million, Series B, helping people get into tech, but also helping companies upskill their tech skills. And uh, I'm just really excited for this conversation learn more about your journey and also you know show people like how you do how you did it you know what i'm saying yeah man but yeah i would love for you to introduce yourself man let the people know a little bit about you and so i'm the co-founder ceo of career Com. like you said we started the company in uh, uh 2018 so it'll be about five years and it was actually career Com was actually the product that we wish that we had when we were breaking into tech uh, my co-founders, Archer and Timur Meister, they went to coding boot camps. My brother went to a coding boot camp. They all became software engineers in less than a year, making six figures. Um, before that, even though I went to really small schools, uh, I was able to get into a non-tech field like finance. I was an investment banker for three years, but I taught myself through an online course called Breaking Into Wall Street. So once we discovered that there are skills first training programs that exist that train you to get jobs in less than a year, not just for blue collar jobs, but also for white collar jobs. I was blown away by the fact that millions of people could take advantage of these opportunities. So long story short, um, I was in Atlanta at the time. I bought a one way ticket to San Francisco. I got a job in three weeks. Um, at a company called Alt School. I wrote a story about it called Breaking Into Startups. So before Karma, Career Karma existed, we started a podcast called Breaking Into Startups where we interviewed everyday people like you and me that figured out how to break into tech, not just CEOs and venture capitalists. So after it reached 3 million people, people started showing up to San Francisco asking for career advice. And then we started hosting those people at our house. We eventually created a chatbot on Facebook. This was before ChatGPT. And right, right. And we created Career Karma, applied to Y Combinator, winter 2019. Um, and that's where it all started. And then when it comes to like people that are just like watching this and trying to figure out like how do I break into tech or why should I break into tech? Like what is your experience been in the tech space and like what kind of lifestyle is it given you? Like what should people be thinking about when it comes to the other side once you're in? So, so CareerCom's mission is to connect the world's talent to the next opportunity. And our vision is to help a billion people in the next 10 years. Um, it's easy to assume when you look at CareerCom is purely focused on just getting you a job that pays you six figures. Right. That's very important. But when it comes to what you're learning, we, we want to give people superpowers. So if you take a step back and you think about big tech energy and you just think about technology in general, technology is about giving people a voice, right? A voice. Facts. The power to create, the power to organize, mm. right? So if you're teaching somebody to code, and for the people that don't know what code is, it's essentially just instructions you give to a computer for you to get it to do what you want right you now have a superpower so yes you can get a job that pays you a lot of money building someone else's app but you can also build your own app pretty much we all have supercomputers in our pockets so you can literally create anything that reaches billions of people 
in a short amount of time. Yeah. You can push a button and something happens in real life. You can push a button, a car pulls up. You can push a button, food is delivered. Yeah. That's really powerful to understand. Um, and from a lifestyle perspective, tech companies provide great benefits, just like a traditional jobs, unlimited vacations, hot, like all, all kinds of stuff like that. So you, you can definitely be comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I really think that what it gives you outside of the money and the benefits and even the power to create is a mindset. A lot of people historically would work at one company and stay in it forever. But because technology exists and it's taken over the world, you can't get comfortable, right? So what it gives you is job security. Facts. And that sounds kind of crazy, given all the layoffs that you see out here. I th- I'm going to say it right now. Startups are risky. Technology is risky. Mm-hmm. People don't talk about this enough. So a lot of people go into tech just because they're like, oh, this is a guaranteed job. It's going to make me a lot of money. And I'm good. Company that you work with will probably not work out. And that's okay, depending on what stage it is. If you go to a company that's later stage, then you could be more comfortable, like a Microsoft or a Google. But if you're doing anything, you know, Series C and below, there's a risk there. But that doesn't mean that you didn't learn anything there and you didn't create wins while you were there that you could take with you somewhere else. You you now have something that you built while you were there yep. and you tried to do something that was relevant for the future that you could take with you elsewhere. The reason why I say it's a superpower is, you know, I've been laid off three times. My brother's been laid off twice. And every single time I've leveled up, my brother just got a new job making stupid money. And it's just a philosophy. Like if you lose your job or if you um, are trying to transition jobs, you know what the formula is with two break into tech and to get your next opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Now you said a lot of dope stuff right there. Um, When it comes to like mindset, I think what you said is super important in the sense of it's not just about breaking into tech. It's about building a brand within your tech yeah. space, within your career. Yeah. And that's why I like startups. Yeah. So I worked at startups for over a decade. I started off at IBM for like four years. So I got to be part of that big tech bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. But then being at a startup, getting equity, but more importantly, like having a voice mm-hmm. in terms of like the culture, the process and like where the company's going. Um, I think that's important. Let's talk about equity. That's something that I didn't talk about. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought it up. Facts. Because a lot of people say, I want to get into startups because I know it pays well. And that's true. But the biggest thing that a startup gives you that no other company is going to give you, especially if you join early, is equity. Right? And you get this early on. That's what makes you wealthy. You will not get wealthy from a salary. Doesn't matter because, what job it is. Yep. You get wealthy from ownership. But people don't know what equity is, it's a percentage of ownership in the company. So, for example, on our podcast, we interviewed a guy who's a high school dropout, black guy from Philly. His name is Rodney Urquhart. Like, I'm not going to tell his whole story, but long story short, he was able to get to Slack. And after it went public, he's a multimillionaire. And he's back in the trenches doing it again because he loves it. It's not like once you're in here, you start realizing that money is just a means, not an end. And by getting ownership in companies, but you you will eventually, if you stay in it, if you last, if you don't, if you have the right mindset, you will be wealthy. Yeah, and that's why I call the name Big Tech Energy. Besides the play on words, it's really about energy and mindset. Mm-hmm. Because if you only think about the money, you'll only get so far. Mm-hmm. But if there's an energy, a motivation, a why that's bigger than the money, you will be valuable to the company. But more so, you'll be valuable wherever you go. Yes, you know what I mean. And just continuing on this, like. 
if you are working for a company and you're an owner, you're going to be treating this not just like a job. You're going to be treating it like it's your own. Yeah. So when you're choosing to work somewhere, don't choose somewhere just because of if it pays you enough or if they give you equity. Choose it in a way that it feels like it's it's yours. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't operate in that way, you're going to be a little disconnected from the work that you're doing. Because equity and just I'm going to I like giving tactical things just so people understand. I'm all about tactical, man. Break it down. Baby. <laughs> it's usually off of a four year vest. What that means is you're going to be given these this these these options, and twenty five percent of it is earned in the first year, and then it's like earned monthly, and so that's that's the mindset. So what that does is it it incentivizes you to stay at a company for four years. The other thing that people don't talk about, what people know is, people the average tenure at a job is two years, yep. one to two years. People go from company to company to company school to school to school. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but if you want to earn something like ownership and you want to reap the rewards of wherever you're at, you need to put in at least like four years, two to four years. That's what I'll say. Because the first year you're going to be understanding the organization, the philosophy. Second year you might, you know, finally be able to ask the right questions and start doing some stuff. And in the third third or fourth year, like you might have built something and then the fourth year, like you just take it to the next thing. So, I encourage the people that are listening to have that type of ideology. Yeah, 100%. And if you have that ideology going to the interview, you're going to be way more successful. Yes. Because you're talking about it from a passionate standpoint of like, I love what the solution does for the industry, the problem that it solves. And I also want to be like ringing the bell at NASDAQ, you know, four years later, you know, and bringing the company to there and being able to say I was the first 50 employees, helped it go to 250 and um, get that big, big equity payout, but also just the joy of knowing that you're actually impacting people's lives with the solution. Yeah, you know, just let's let's talk about this now. So you are the CEO of yourself. So when you're thinking about the job that you want to work for, you are investing in a company with your time. And so you want to pick a company that's early enough and risky enough that gives you some upside so you want to be there before everybody else is there. Like you said, the first 50, first 100 people. Yep. So that when it's public and it and you ring the bell in the stock market, like these companies create millions of millionaires. And if you're there early, then you're good. Um, there's so many different ways I could take this uh, conversation. But uh, let's talk about career karma for a second. Yeah. All right. Cause you're one of the few people, like I mentioned before, that has raised like 52 million to date. Um, you're currently at Series B. You know, talk about that journey because, yeah, it's one thing to work for a startup. It's another one to actually, like, build it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was that journey like? Yeah. And, um, yeah, what advice do you have for anybody that is thinking about, I have this idea, how do I turn it into a pitch deck, get the investment, get into somewhere like Y Combinator yep. to get to where you end up going? Let's start off with mindset again. Yeah. If you talk about black founders that are raising money, a lot of the rhetoric is around how there's not a lot of us that have raised money or how does it feel to be a black person that's in tech or that has raised money. I don't think that that is a healthy mindset because it makes you feel less than sometimes or like victimized or you have to change your ideology. It's like a scarcity mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. Like yeah. You have to have this mindset that there's trillions of dollars that exist out here. 
All you have to do is say the right things and it'll be given to you. But you also have to have the right idea. You have to have the right team. You have to have the right vision. You have to be able to execute. So if you, and then you also have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you are the only person or the best person in the world to solve whatever problem that you set out to solve. So that's number one. Mm. All right. Change your ideology. I grew up at Atlanta, so I've always been proud to be black. I've never, I've never felt less than for being black and yeah. like owned that. That's number one. Number two, I get a lot of my friends that reach out to me wanting to start companies. And you, you heard me outside. He was like, oh, I'm about to raise some money. What's the first question that I asked him? Are you technical? Are you technical? Facts. Right? And for the people that don't know what that means is, do you know how to code? Because if you want to raise money in venture capital, you need somebody on the team that's a coder. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be you or your co-founders. Yep. I don't know how to code. My co-founders do. When we met, none of us knew how to code. So we had to make a decision. Who's going to code? So my co-founders, they went through coding boot camps themselves. They taught themselves because we knew that in the future, we wanted to start a company and we wouldn't be able to raise money without knowing how to code. Why is that important? Because so many people come to me saying, oh, they have this amazing idea. All I need is money so that I can get somebody to make it for me. Mm. Or can you connect me to Dev Shop? Nobody is going to give you money for that. I'm not going to say nobody. There's like a rare few, but it's going to make your time harder. So that's the second thing. You need to have someone that's technical on your team. Third, you need to be very clear on, ideally you're solving a problem that you feel uniquely qualified to solve. So ideally it's a pain point that you have experienced yourself or it's something that you know more about than anybody else in the world. Um, there's a really good book called Zero to One for the people that are listening. And it really breaks down startup philosophy. And there's a question that they ask, which is, what do you believe that nobody else in the world believes or very few people in the world believe? And you might ask yourself, why would I want to ask that? Well, if you're betting on the future, you need to do something that's different, right? If you're building the future, you have to build something that's different that does that nobody else knows about that sets someone else up very well in the future, right? So um, for someone to give you money, the reason they're giving you money is because they feel like they're betting on something that is non-consensus and right. This is important, right? Yeah. If you're doing what everybody else is doing, you might be in the right direction, but you're probably not. Don't chase the hot thing. Position yourself for the next wave. Think about what is inevitable. It's very philosophical. It's a really good video to watch called Think Big, Start Small by Sequoia. Jim gets at Sequoia. It really breaks down this philosophy. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so what do you believe that very few people believe? Once you have that thought process and you're like, all right, cool. I'm the best person that can solve this and I'm technical or I have somebody technical on my team. You need to think about where do you want to start? Ideally, the problem that you're solving affects millions of people or thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, depending on your price point. You got to ask yourself, who has this problem? How often do they have this pain? How can I help solve that pain with software, ideally? And every time I solve that pain, I make money. This is important to understand. Like, money is a means. Even if you're not profit, you need money. 
So something that I like to say is no margin, no mission. If you make money, you're alive. If you don't make money, you're dead. Uh, membership in Black and HR means community and being a part of a culture of like-minded individuals. Um, you have a culture within a culture, especially in the Black community, and Black and HR is that professional culture. We have fun, we laugh and joke about things that are related to us in the workplace, but we also have serious aspects as well where we help each other grow. Um, and it's just one of those places where I can go to any time of the day, pose a question, and I'm gonna get all type of answers, but I'm gonna get support. Um, and we all work together to give advice, to give insight, um, to share tips. Um, the networking is amazing. The people that I've spoken to have allowed me to learn things about myself that I didn't know. Um, so what does that do? When I go to my next interview, I have that confidence uh, when I walk in to be able to explain and, and speak on what I've done in the past and, and prove that I am the person for the job. So the problem that you solve Talk about that problem and also the importance of boot camps when it comes to people um, getting the skills they need to be successful in tech. So when Career Karma started, we focused on boot camps, like you said. And I'll tell you my precede one-liner okay. before I got into Y Combinator. My precede one-liner was Career Karma helps people that want to become software engineers by connecting them, that's what I do for them, to the right coding boot camps and giving them support for the rest of their career. So that was the original ideology. And when I first talked to venture capitalists, they were like, oh, that market's too small. There's, like, there's only so many people that want to code. And even when you look at colleges, there's only 50,000 people that graduate every year. All of that is true. But again, think big, start small. How many people enroll in college every year? About 20, people, 20 million people a year. How many people enroll in trade schools a year? About 14 million people a year. Okay, this was like pre-pandemic. This is like, those are those stats. And then look at the um, like reports from McKinsey that say 375 million people are going to sw switch careers between now and 2030. Okay, so yes, boot camps are small, but can this model be used for other kinds of disciplines like sales or design, blah, blah, blah? So for the people that don't know what a boot camp is, a boot camp is a rapid reskilling, short form training program that is different from any other post-secondary education institution. The main difference between a boot camp and anything else, boot, whatever, is they measure their success on you getting a job. For anybody listening, diplomas and certifications don't matter. That's my controversial opinion. They don't. How many people you know are doing something completely different than what they majored in. Most people, this is my personal opinion, it's what I believe that a lot of people don't believe, is like they're going to post-secondary education because they want a job that pays better, challenges them, gives them some kind of career investment opportunity. And boot camps are unique where they not only measure the success on you getting a job, um, they have online options, but also part-time and self-paced options. Why is that important in addition to full-time? Most people that are learning a new skill are older. They have families, they have kids. Very important. What else? Um, most people don't have money to pay for school up front. You know, boot camps are between ten dollars and $50,000. Depending on, you know, what college you go to, it could be much more over time, right? 
So bootcamps also have different financing options like deferred tuition, income share agreements, employer-funded education, right? So long story short, we focus on bootcamps at first. Then we got into something called Y Combinator. So Y Combinator essentially um, is the world's largest tech accelerator. Uh, I think it's $600 billion in valuation now, 9,000 CEOs. It's harder to get into than Stanford, um, Airbnb, Dropbox, Stripe, Deal, Rippling, like all the biggest companies went through there. And uh, we applied. Winter 2019 got rejected. No, we applied summer. Well, we applied before the winter time, 2019 batch got rejected, but applied again and got in winter 2019. Today, we are one of the 150 most valued YC companies ever, which is awesome. That's lit. Yeah. Right? Congrats. And when we did YC, they helped us refine our one-liner. And our one-liner during YC was Career Karma Helps Job Training Programs Find Qualified Applicants. We're starting with coding boot camps, design schools, and sales programs. They pay us $1,200 per enrollment. Okay, now it's very clear. Job training programs is not just boot camps. You know, there's a reason why Career Karma is not called Code Karma. Career Karma wants to help anybody get into any career, but ideally, we're positioning you for the jobs of the future, which is why we focus on technology. So that's what got us to Y Combinator. That's helped us raise uh, 1.5 million for the seed round, 10 million for the Series A, led by Initialized. Gary Tan is on our board. Um, he's now the pre- he started Initialized. Um, and then he's now president CEO of YC. Okay. So that's that. Okay. So then what happened after that? Remember what I said is we help job training programs find qualified applicants. And then before I said we match people to coding boot camps and we give them support for the rest of their careers. Yeah. It's important for people to understand that career navigation isn't about education. It goes back to what I said before. It's about psychology. My mother's a psychologist. Right, that's why I keep talking about mindset so much. Another way that you and I align, I told you, our roots are in audio. We started a podcast. I'm still doing podcasts. We learned that initially we were hosting these rooms on Zoom, but we actually created our own audio rooms, kind of like Discord and Clubhouse had a baby focus on careers. So every day you go to careercarmacom slash events and you can see people hosting rooms after people are enrolled in programs or while they're enrolling, applying to boot camps or in the job search, asking questions about how to navigate their career. So we have these live audio rooms to give them support and also find jobs. Now uh, that we announced our Series B last year of $40 million, led by top-tier capital partners, but also SoftBank and Google and pretty much every major VC, K-Poor, Unshackled, mostly women and people of color, we now have about two and a half million people a month coming to us looking for career advice. And we're working with employers to, like you said, help them uh, upskill their workforce. So that's on the internal talent pipeline perspective. But then we're also helping them build external talent pipelines as well. Yeah. Using education benefits. So, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So let's touch more on that. So, how many people have you helped, I guess, through your boot camps? And how many people do you have in your ecosystem? that now have the skills to, you know, be successful in the jobs of the future. Yeah, we've had about 300,000 people create profiles inside of Career Karma so far. All of the programs that we work with represent about 80% of the outcomes, so we've helped thousands of people get jobs. Now that we're working with employers, we feel that since one employer alone 
often has hundreds of thousands of employees or half a million employees, the way to reach the most amount of people will be by continuing to work with boot camps, which we're not going to stop doing. Yeah. But also working with employers that want to figure out how to work with boot camps since they've dropped the requirement to have a college degree mm-hmm. and they don't know which training programs are the most effective um, or they've already invested in different things and those systems aren't talking to each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then when it comes to employers, like talk about their pain point and how career karma is going to help them with that pain point. Yeah. So on the internal talent pipeline perspective, we're helping companies uh, reduce turnover and increase retention. So if a company has a large workforce, especially in the front line, so say, um, you know, truck drivers or tellers um, or people working in a warehouse that quit all the time. We actually help them um, not only identify, like talk about who, like understand what their issues are, but also what roles that they actually would want to grow into. And we help them by offering education benefits to them so that they have that education paid for by the employer, which keeps them staying for at least a year and leveling up into a new role. We could also help them take advantage of things that they've already invested in. So we create a co-branded solution with the employer. Um, so these people are like all enrolled in different action plans. Um, and they have not only the education that they're taking advantage of, but also the industry uh, specific things that they need to know about finance or retail uh, or cultural things about the specific company. And we make it very interactive. So when you're, when you're thinking about a company that has 500,000 employees, just continuing using that example, or 100,000 employees or 10,000 employees. These are like cities and countries. And I mean, we're in Fort Lauderdale right now. I'm sure millions of dollars, maybe even billions of dollars are being spent by the government to provide benefits for citizens. Do you know what it provides for us? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm from Atlanta, dude. Like all these cities, like, do you know what it provides for you? Not a lot. And so, I say that because these big companies provide so many amazing benefits for their employees, but they don't even know that it exists. All right. So one of the first things that we do is like meet workers where they are by giving them an app that they can log into and see what's going on. But also they don't have time to read because they might be commuting. They might be, they're not always able to work remotely. So we have audio first content that they're able to listen to and they're able to watch sometimes. Uh, so that's that's also very important as well. On the external talent pipeline perspective, a lot of companies have invested heavily in internships and apprenticeships, which are extremely expensive and very low volume. While those things are great, a lot of times they're not for the for the amount of money that you invest into it. The number of people that you've impacted isn't statistically significant to say if I do this then it's going to help all thousand plus people in my front line. So I want to roll this out to everybody. So we actually help employers allocate their resources more efficiently to reach more people using the same amount of money that they spent. And also we save them time by creating a platform that the HR leaders are able to see what's happening. The frontline workers are able to see what's happening. The hiring managers that want to know who within the company is going to be 
getting a role, know what's going on, and then recruiters and talent acquisition can see who in their local communities are preparing for these different opportunities like that. So, no, that's incredible, man. Yeah. And then, so when it comes to like your target employers, like what does that look like? Yeah, so we're focused on companies in the Fortune one thousand. So they're large employers, so usually ten thousand employees and up, with a large frontline workforce. Um, they have those two, one of those two pain points. They're either prioritizing internal talent, uh, in, internal mobility, or external talent pipeline development. Um, some of them are actually actively really focused on um, automation, so digitizing their workforce, and they might be restructuring certain divisions because um, that doesn't just exist with startups. Like if a company is going digital, they might shut down a bunch of retail stores and what happens to those people. Um, so we can help those companies give those people either soft landing by giving them education benefits to prepare for their next role, or we help that company take those people that are being impacted by offering benefits to them and then helping them go into the new role in IT, for example. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And who are you currently working with right now that you can talk about? I can't announce it yet. Okay. Uh, they're big Fortune 500 companies that we'll be announcing soon. Okay. Um, and it's going to be great. Like one of them is a big uh, tech company. Another one's a bank. Um, our, our top focuses from an industry perspective are financial services, manufacturing, and retail. Yeah. Um, and a lot of announcements on those will be coming soon. I will say that the people within the company that we focus on are um, people that come on your show. Right, like this show, the shows that you hosted in Clubhouse. So it's either the CHRO, the Chief Human Resource Officer, or the Chief People Officer. They're going to kick it either to the L&D leader, so learning development leader, um, or the total rewards person. Um, after having a conversation with them, they're going to kick it to either uh, talent acquisition, um, diversity, maybe someone in marketing or the ESG or CSR. Uh, type of stuff yeah and then there's a bunch of other people that we talk to once we get a sense of what their priorities are um that are feeling that pain every night if there's somebody that's losing workers every three months like we want to talk to them because we want to give them a solution for their pain and then um yeah then we have to get budget approval and go from there cool i've never asked you this personally what is like your end goal when it comes to career karma or even with not even career karma but just your legacy in general like what's your end goal what what would be success well like i said i want to help a billion people in the next 10 years but if you think about it from a pure like business perspective i want the company to go public for sure there's no rush on that um i don't want to be known as the black guy that raised a bunch of money for a company I want to be known as like one of the greatest, if not the greatest CEO of all time. So from a execution perspective, like I really understand business, business uh, unit economics, fundamentals. Um, we have just a strong business that's, that has the right numbers. I think that's, that's really important from a, from a number two thing, from a success perspective. There's something called, there's a really good article by Paul Graham called Default Alive or Default Dead. You know, I, I want to be default alive. I think that's that's important. Number three, I think from a mission perspective, if I have a pulse on everybody that's applying to schools, that's enrolled in schools, that's in the job search, I have relations with employers that are hiring them and I'm helping them hire people. 
Yeah. And I'm able to help people upskill and reskill. Now I'm, I own the whole employee workforce lifestyle, right? Like LinkedIn is different. LinkedIn's at the end, you know, plural sites at the beginning. Like, like if I, if I have that pulse on everything, I have better data than the department of education, department of labor in real time. Working with employees is one thing. Then I want to work with governments. That's another thing because government puts more public sector, governments, nonprofits put more into workforce development than any other institution. So that's, and by the way, LinkedIn's a $26 billion outcome and I want to serve more people. So, so that's, that's important. And then, yeah, I think outside of getting people into jobs, a lot of them want to start their own company like me. Right. So, so again, I built career karma because it's the first product that it's the product that we wish that we had when we were breaking into tech. Right. So we already have some of our friends that we've helped get jobs that just raised $3 million. Right. Um, so it'd be cool if at some point we can bet on them and give them money to start their own companies, either through a corp dev shop. If we can be a feeder to other accelerators, like, why Combinator tech starts 500 startups. Gary has said, you know, career commas like YC for the people. This might be a bold statement, but I think we could build something that's even bigger than Y Combinator. I think so. It's going to take, it's going to be hard, but I want to bet on people early. Like YC bets on first time founders, career comma bets on people for the first time. That's not to take anything about from anybody. Like I said, like it's a collaboration over competition. I just want to help the ecosystem thrive. Most people in the world don't know why comedy exists. Most people don't know 500 startups exist or tech startups exist. None of this exists. Yeah. There's people in Oakland that live right across from San Francisco that don't know exists. So that's why media is important. That's why we need to be doing this. Yeah. That's why I need to be doing Breakfast Club, Million Dollars Worth of Game, all the stuff so that people know what we're talking about. 100%. And yeah, like you said, this is the whole goal of this is make sure people are educated and understand who Ruben Harris is, the mindset, et cetera. So you talk a lot about books and reading, et cetera, like that. What would you advise people in terms of why that's so important? How often do you read all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm on my ninth book of the year so far. All right. Um, and it's only February 15th. It's only February 15th. Yeah. All right. My, uh, I have a family book club as well. So every month, um, one member of the family selects a book that we're supposed to read. Um, I have a Kindle Paperwhite. If you look at the traits of the best leaders, it's very simple. You know, they they often wake up early, take care of their health, they read, spend time outside, spend time with their friends, they work hard. When I say abnormally hard, it is abnormal, but it's not as hard as you think. Like if you're working 80 hours a week, that sounds insane to a lot of people, but it's not because you have 168 hours in a week. So essentially uh, reading is super, super important because the big, if you read the hard thing about hard things, which is another book by Ben Horowitz, the biggest thing that it says, and I wrote this in my first blog is a CEO has to manage their psychology. So I read a lot of business biographies because it helps me get into the head of these people. And these people that are either alive or passed away become my mentors Yeah, just by reading about them. Because if you think about it, if they're writing an autobiography, they're essentially going to tell you the same thing that they would take you if you had dinner with Jay-Z. 
He's going to tell you some version of what he just wrote if he wrote a story about his life. All right, cool. I'm glad we ended on that because it's important to understand the mindset at the end of the day. Like getting a job, making money, only get you so far. The mindset will have you eating forever. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and just one, one more thing, too, just around like mentorship. I know, like, just one more point on here. No, please go for it. When we're working with employers, we're also helping them take advantage of like their ERG groups and things like that. And a lot of people don't understand the difference between a coach, a mentor, and a sponsor. So I do want to call that out. So like a coach is going to help you on like your job, for example. Like they're going to help you on like a specific technique. Like a mentor is going to be like, okay, man, you have a nice job. You know, this your game is strong here. You know, why don't we work on, you know, this? They get, like, a little bit more philosophical. That's like a mentor. And then a sponsor is someone that is investing in you, either financially or with their time or some other way, because you reflect their values. Mm. That's also very important to understand. Because they'll build you up, they'll get you right, but as soon as you don't reflect their values, you're gone. Take that for whether that's good or bad, but... A lot of people are seeking sponsors or stuff like that, but like recognize, like be very careful about who you're getting in bed with. Yeah. I'll say. So awesome, man. Yeah. Well, bro, I appreciate you for being on this podcast, man. Yeah. Um, a lot of gems dropped. I uh, definitely hope people like really listen to this carefully, write down notes um, and apply it. Like, don't just listen to this, like really apply the game that Ruben was spitting. So when it comes to people that, you know, want to follow you further, uh, please let people know where they can find you and also anything that you want to, you know, promote or plug that uh, people should get on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just my name, Ruben Harris, uh, Ruben Harris, um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, especially. I've been going heavy on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's great. I like that you talked about people being their own brand, like. You can Google my name and see my stuff, but it's not just because I'm me. You can do this too. So take advantage of social media. Tell your own stories because if we don't tell our own stories, other people are going to tell stories about us. People program computers. Media programs people. So don't let... It's either program or be programmed. And when it comes to career karma, like for people trying to break in, you're still helping people out. Yeah, so if you want to use career karma, if you want to break into tech and you're looking to, to make a transition... Uh, into a tech field go to careercomma.com um, and just follow the steps it's right there it's a button it'll tell you and we'll match you to the right training programs after we do that we'll actually give you a boot camp advisor that will give you guidance and we'll hold you accountable like we will literally understand what your goal is and make sure that you do it and but nobody can force you to do anything so that's that's the last thing that I'll tell you is like if you want to do this like we'll we'll give you every resource that you need like nothing is going to be a blocker, but you have to want to do this. If you don't want to do this, then I can help you. Yeah, mindset and execution. Without it, it is what it is. It is what yeah, it is. for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe, share, like, comment, all that good stuff. Big Tech Energy, again, my whole point of this show, my ethos is to help people get into tech or help you get your tech startup popping. Um, you know, over the last two years, I've been just effortlessly hoping, helping people, you know, break into tech by connecting them with resources, et cetera. So uh, check me out on Instagram at Dr. J. Also check out my site, blackhire.com. We're helping freelancers find opportunities, particularly black freelancers. So make sure you check that out. And if you're a hiring manager, go ahead and post a role. If you got it on Upwork or Fiverr, we'd love for you to post it on Black Hire so that our candidates can see it. 
and we can get more diversity in your spaces, get more diversity in tech overall, and give me more people opportunities. So with that being said, we're going to sign off, and I'll see you at the next episode. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Uh, membership in Black and HR means community and being a part of a culture of like-minded individuals. Um, you have a culture within a culture, especially in the Black community, and Black and HR is that professional culture. We have fun, we laugh and joke about things that are related to us in the workplace, but we also have serious aspects as well where we help each other grow. Um, and it's just one of those places where I can go to any time of the day, pose a question, and I'm gonna get all type of answers, but I'm gonna get support. Um, and we all work together to give advice, to give insight, um, to share tips. Um, the networking is amazing. The people that I've spoken to have allowed me to learn things about myself that I didn't know. Um, so what does that do? When I go to my next interview, I have that confidence uh, when I walk in to be able to explain and, and speak on what I've done in the past and, and prove that I am the person for the job.